0: Good evening. Welcome everyone to Monday night. He sent his word. So, pleasure to be with you once again. I think my head's too close to the screen. I don't want to scare anyone if they're little kids watching. Um, Blessings to you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love uh, catching up with you guys and fellowshipping with one another. Uh, Praise be to Jesus that he's on the throne. He's the King of Kings and He's the Lord of Lords. So, what I want to do, I want to get straight into this message, um, and I want to, I really want to, to share with you at this point in time. Um, we're going to talk about the mercy of God, and yeah, and the title was the mercies are new every morning," and I want to just share a few little revelations the Lord has been showing me, and um, and understanding what what mercy is what the mercy of God is. And, um, you know, my interpretation for most of my life, most of my um, Christian walk is we obtain mercy and we receive grace. And mercy is obviously we, we have this idea of mercy that God had mercy on us and he forgave us. And it's like someone breaking into your house and, you know, you might catch them in the act. And you might you know, grab him and tie him up and wait for the police to come. Or, and if you in Lebanese, you might lay hands on him a few times. But he might cry out for mercy. And you might show him mercy and you let him go. But the mercy of God is so much different. Pharaoh showed some mercy in the Old Testament. Well, all they were was, oh, I'm not going to kill you now, but you're still a slave. But what God does, he catches us in the act of sin. We break into his, we, we sin against him. And um, we. Uh, a robber comes into the house and you catch him and he goes, please show me mercy, and you bestow that mercy on him. And then you go another step, whatever you were stealing, I'll give it to you, and I want you to move into my house. And you become part of the family, and that's the grace of God. And we understand mercy is, uh, we're pleading for mercy. If someone goes to court, ask the judge for mercy. And I was sharing this the other day. How can the mercy of God and the grace of God and the judgment of God be equal? If I go to court and I do something wrong against someone and I say to the judge, have mercy on me, and he lets me go, I'll I'll call that judge merciful. I'll call that judge grace. He showed me grace. But then the people that I've committed the offense to will call that judge corrupt. And if the judge was to sentence me, for my crime, no matter what the crime was, the people that I offended would say the judge is just, he's honest, he's righteous. But I would say the judge is not merciful. There's no compassion. So how can God be just, righteous, and merciful, with full of grace? And we understand that Christ on the cross, God's judgment was upon him. His wrath was upon Jesus. And at the same time, He took the wrath that's upon us and put it on Christ. But then he rose Jesus from the dead. And there there he shows us his justice. God is a just God. He demands retribution for sin. You also see his mercy and we see his grace at the same time. Only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can give us that. Only the God of Jesus manifested in the flesh can give us that. Amen. To give you a background. And um, so I want to you to turn, I'm going to go through a few scriptures tonight, but I, wanna, I just want to share you, give you a bit of a picture and an insight what the Lord's been showing me. You know, when we often think we receive mercy from God, but just like we see, we, see, we receive the grace from God, we receive the love of God, we receive forgiveness from God, but God is love, God is mercy, God is grace. When I started to see grace as a person and not what something I get, many years ago, you say oh, I received grace. It showed me the grace. But then I understood. Hang on, is there any conviction for my sin? Is there anything in me that looks back and says, "Wow, I praise God for God's grace"? But is there anything in my heart that says, "Man, look what I was doing"? Often, I often um, look at Paul. Paul says, "I'm the greatest of all sinners." But when you look at Paul's life, For most of his life, we don't know, other than Stephen's death, we don't know that he was a bad sinner. He wasn't a criminal by no means. He kept the law. He knew it off by heart. He was zealous for God. And he was basically saying, I'm a Jew of all Jews, circumcised on the eighth day from the tribe of Benjamin. He gives you his credentials. But all that is a rubbish dung compared to the glorious mercy and grace I have from the Lord Jesus Christ. When I compare my life to what Christ's life is, it's done. And I saw that in my early days. I, I, got, I had an encounter with the Lord. I received Christ as my saviour. But when I look back at my life, I think, wow, look where I was. Look where, look who I was. Look where I was going. You know, I used to tell people I was on my way to hell until Jesus touched me. And people would get offended. I said, "What? Well, I'm, not, I'm not saying you were going to hell. I am saying I was going to hell. He goes "But no, nah, how do you know you are going to hell? Like they'll get offended and they're trying to, I go, mate, I'm talking about me, not you. So if my life convicts you, that's your problem. I'm just telling you where I was going. I was on my way to hell. I don't care what picture you put it. I don't care what you thought of me before I got saved, but I was a man on his way to hell. And when I look back at my life, I look back and I say, wow, man, what the grace of God. And that's why when you have a broken and contrite heart, you see whatever you could offer to God is rubbish compared to what he's offered us to us. Whatever I think was good in me was nothing. But I understood the mercy of God. See, a lot of people want to see the grace of God. They want to see the the unmerited favor of God. They want to receive that. And that's awesome. But then I understand that God showed us mercy first. What we deserved, we didn't get. And I want to go through this a little bit. If you bear with me, I I looked it up and and in my spirit, I I just didn't know how to explain it. When we go, the Bible says, enter the throne room of grace boldly. We enter boldly to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need. And it's amazing. We enter the throne room of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need. Now he's talking to believers. He's not talking to non-believers. I've always pictured it that I receive mercy and God pours out his grace. And in that scripture, we read all the time about we enter the throne room of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need. So I want to just explain to you what mercy in that context means and what God is trying to show us about mercy. Amen? So we we'll are going on a little bit of a journey. Amen? We'll just take our time. We've got nothing else to do. Hallelujah. I want to read this and we'll pray. Now, this is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 46. I better tell everyone. Say amen when you get there. I can't hear you anyway. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Jokes. You heard me. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Is that what I said originally? Beautiful. It came. Now, they came to Jericho as they went out of Jericho with the disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard it that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began crying out and saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood there and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to to Jesus. So Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, "Rabuna," which just means teacher or Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go on your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and follow Jesus on the road. Father, we thank you for this word tonight. We thank you, Father, that when it's not preaching another sermon or ticking another box, but we want to see what your heart has for us. You know, this blind man on the side of the road called out. He knew who to call out to, and Jesus asked him, what do you want? He said, I want my sight back. Lord, give us eyes to see a sight to see what the spirit of grace has for us. Let us see beyond the natural and go into the supernatural. You said the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. You would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. So, Father, tonight our hearts are ready to see what the spirit of grace has to say. Let your word be manifest in us tonight. Let us not be the same. Let us look upon our our saviour. On that ruggedy cross, and never forget the mercy He showed us and the grace He poured out on us. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So here you look at blind Bartimaeus, and blind Bartimaeus was a, a Jewish believer. You would have to under, you would have to believe that by calling him Jesus, the Son of David, and he's on the side of the road begging. And in those days, in those days, if you're a beggar. Well, if you're blind, the only means of support was begging. We know the lepers would have to call out unclean, unclean. We know that the poor would have to, um, the poor people would have to beg and they were outside the city, but they're on a main road. Um, So you have all these traits. But the blind man is very interesting. Blind Bartimaeus. And it doesn't doesn't tell us how he was blind. We know another story where a man was born blind and his disciples said, Lord, who sinned, him or his parents? The man was born blind. So in that culture, in that time, in that day, blindness meant you're under a curse. Poverty meant that you're under a curse. Um, The uh, Lepers were under a curse. Uh, So there was a lot of the... Old culture was stooped in that type of mindset. And the law would say, if you give, you get. And if you don't give, you don't get. You know, blessed if you give and you're cursed if you don't give. And that was the mindset. And we could go through that, you know, with the rich young ruler who was, you know, show me how to get eternal life, good teacher. And he was a rich and he was young. So he kept the law. He, was, you know, he did. But it was things that you lack. And we can go through all that. But this man here on the side of the road, He had heard about Jesus. He'd heard about this man from Nazareth. And it's interesting what he says here because Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth was walking and he says, son of David. He cried out with a loud voice. Now, sometimes we can read a scripture and say, well, he cried out, hey, Jesus. No, no. The Greek word for cried out was he yelled because everyone heard him. And they said, quiet down, man. They warned him to be quiet. And he yelled out even more. Son of David. He was referring to Jesus as the son of David, from a from a Jewish mindset, from a Jewish background, that the, the the that the Messiah would come from the line of David. If you go back through history, Jesus' his mother Mary was from the tribe of Judah. So was Joseph, even though he wasn't his earthly father. He was his the uh, um uh not real father. He was his earthly father. He was his stepdad. He's, he also was from the line of David, from Judah. So everything was pointing to the right, that the, the, that the son of David was sit on the throne, or a king like David. And here he's saying that the son of, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he, Jesus says, call him, the Bible says he commanded them to bring him. Now on that road, there would have been many beggars. There would have been many different types of people, poor people beggars, and not many people would have seen Jesus. But this man caught Jesus' ear, calls him the son of David. Then he says, have mercy on me. You have to understand something, that this man was an outcast. And even the garments that they wore represented who they were. And I'm going to teach on that soon about the garments. We talk about the garment of praise, but the mantle that God puts on you, what mantle you put on yourself. And it's interesting here that The blind man is on the side of the road and he knows Jesus is coming. There's a multitude of people. So it was noisy. There was people everywhere yelling and screaming and carrying on. There could have been music playing, drums beating, could have been fighting. People could have been, who knows? And yet Jesus hears the cries, this man, son of David, have mercy on me. On the side of the road. And the Bible says that, He says, call him, bring him over here. I command you to bring him to me. And the Bible says He that, He throws off his garment and rose and came to Jesus. This guy's blind, so his senses have been pretty good, yeah? You look at blind people, they know how to get around. They've trained their senses. But it's interesting, he throws his garment off. The garment that represented who he was, he got up straight away and took that off. Whatever he thought he was, whatever he believed he was, whatever he was told who he was, got stripped off. He took it straight off. It's interesting when Jesus came to Peter. You remember when Jesus, when uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, and then he rises from the dead. And they're fishing one day, and there's a man fishing. He says, "Come and eat." pray your throw your net on the other side, and then they see that's Jesus. Peter puts his cloak on, and then jumps in the water. And I always found that interesting that you're on the water in the beach fishing. You got your shirt off, or you got your cloak off, or your jacket off, or your tunic. But when Jesus calls him, he puts it back on and then jumps in the water and runs across to the shore because Peter had taken off his calling. He had been brokenhearted. He thought he denied Jesus three times. He went back to what he knew, fishing, and he took off his leadership. He took off his apostolic anointing. He took off what God had placed on him. But prophetically, he put it back on and he ran to the master. Hallelujah. We're going to see a picture of that. But this blind man was the opposite. He took it off because that's his garment represent poverty, curse, no, uh, didn't belong anymore. And he goes, I want mercy. And I love this statement. Jesus says, come, what do you want? So you have to know what you want when you come to the Lord. You have to come. You can't come wishy-washy. You can't come. what's up to you. Praise God. I'm just humble. You won't get nothing from God. He came. He knew exactly what he wanted. His sight back. He understood in his own mind, from his own culture, that this man has the power to show me mercy. He just wanted his sight back. So we understand that grace and mercy are hand in hand. They're like twin brothers, or, or if or lack of a better word, you see, salvation isn't just to get to heaven. We have to understand this. Listen to me. Salvation isn't just to get to heaven. It's, the, it's to put us into the family and to heal us, body, soul, and spirit. It's to restore and redeem our spirit with God, our relationship with the Father. It's supposed to overflow into our soul and to heal our body. That's Zozo. That's the salva- it's salvation. And this man, he knew enough to know that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the son of David, would heal him. Just give me mercy. Bestow that mercy on me, Lord. He he didn't know that Jesus was going to go to the cross. He didn't know any of uh, the, by your stripes you are healed. He didn't know anything that, you know, by your faith you're healed. He just knew one thing. This man, Jesus, is going about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. And I heard about him. I can hear him coming, and I'm going to cry out. And even when they tell me, quiet, you have no rights, quiet. You, you, you're you, like this because you've done something. And he cried out even louder to get the attention of the master. Hallelujah. But sometimes we've got to shake off what we've placed on us. We've got to shake off what we think we're, or what we've done or what we haven't done, what we can do, what we can't do. We need to shake it off, and we're just, we're just going to get to the master and everything will be okay. You know, when you look at mercy in my notes here, there's many different um, uh, meanings for mercy. Wow. One sec, guys. Many different. Um, I thought I'd lost all my notes then. Hallelujah. Well, I didn't. Lamentations 322 to 23. It's in the Old Testament. It's probably the most depressed book you can read, eh? <laughs> And it's about, and they believe it's the prophet Jeremiah, and he's lamenting, he he's, he's grieving. That's what they call it Lamentations. It's grieving. It's like a eulogy of a wake, and you're reporting. It's like he walk through the streets of Judea, Jerusalem, and the place was disaster. It'd been destroyed. It'd been overrun by the Babylonians. They were hungry. They they, you know, I don't want to get on that road, but they what they wanting food the kids were crying to their moms "They like, give us food the mums were using the babies as food so that's how that's how bad it got and he says what what's happened to us and he talks about it in 3 and you read it it's depressing you've left me alone i'm like a dog oh, you know and he goes on and on no prosperity um we're like we're rubbish in your sight we're gone to ashes and you just read all this but then in verse 22, he says but though but though The Lord's mercies are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Even in the midst of turmoil, picture this, you're a prophet, and they believe it's Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and he's seen the devastation because of sin and disobedience, and he's seen the city overrun, this beautiful one city, and people are desolate, and you talk about tribulation, like they wanted to eat their kids for food. That's how bad it got. And he's seeing all this and he's just his heart is ripped out and he's grieving and he's and he's making a, like a eulogy and he's he's it's like saying this is what happens when we sin. This is what happens when when the foreigners come in and and um, take over our city and destroy our city because of our disobedience. and he's not talking about one man or one he's not even talking about himself. he's talking about the city of Jerusalem. Unlike Job, Job was talking about himself because the enemy has stripped his family off him and his his wealth off him and and his whole life fell apart. Here he's talking about the city of Jerusalem, Judea. But then he says, but in all this, the enemy could not take away God's faithfulness, could not take away God's mercies because when I wake up in the morning, his mercy will be there for me. People have sang songs about it. People have written books about it. But we've got to understand that the the mercy of God, we we have to understand that it's not just that what we get from God when we got saved. It's what empowers us to go forward. When the mercies of God comes upon you, yes, it's to forgive you of your sin. A lot of it has to do with forgiveness. So it is what we receive from God, what comes from God, uh, what we can walk in. It's threefold. God gives us mercy because he is merciful. And then he goes, you be merciful like your Father in heaven is merciful. So now he's talking about the attributes of mercy in us. Jesus says it this way in 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 Hebrews 2.12. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. This is talking about Jesus, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make preparation for our sin, for the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He's able to aid those who have been tempted. So now here he's talking about that Jesus, the merciful one, who went through all his affliction to become a high priest because he understands what we're going through. And he gives us mercy in that time. It's, a, it's an amazing to be merciful. The very attributes are written here. Christ gave us the indisputable command to be merciful. And he said to us, it's linked to our required behavior with that of a behavior of of the very nature of God himself. Be merciful as your father also is merciful. I can go on and on about the the gifts of mercy. But I want to share something here. We quote this quite often. Let me find it. It's in. We enter the throne room of grace to obtain mercy in the time of need. And I put up earlier, for those who are on Facebook and watching, I want to share this photo. And if you don't know what that is, um, that's the Ark of the Covenant. And as you can see there, thanks to Antoine, that's a replica in Jerusalem. Um, if you have a look at that Ark of the Covenant, uh, just not, can you see my arrow at all, guys? Yeah, okay. So they are the cherubim angels and they bowed before the Lord and they're touching, their wings are touching and they're, they're facing downwards and this part here, this is the Ark of the Covenant, right? And this part here is the mercy seat. Now this Ark, was in the Holy of Holies. And we understand the Passover feast where the priest would lay hands on the lamb and he would take the blood into here. And there there's many other things they did too, but just for the sake of time. And he'd walk into the holy behind the curtain and he'd walk around there and he'd pour the blood on the mercy seat. That seat is a lid. If you take that lid off inside, you will get the Ten Commandments you would get the Aaron's rod, and you get the manna from heaven. The ten commandments are hidden under the mercy seat. If that gets lifted, you're judged by the law. Every man has broken the law. But the mercy sits. When Jesus rose from the dead, hear me. Follow me here. When Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible said he was seated at the right hand of the Father. When Christ went to the cross and died, shed his blood, he had the right to sit on the mercy seat. Who is Jesus? He is the epitome of grace. Remember, I said earlier, when you stop trying to look at what you can get from God, I got mercy, I got grace, but I worship the one who is grace. I worship the one who is mercy. I worship the one who is love. Are you following me? so that he sat, Jesus himself, at the mercy seat. Isn't this a beautiful picture? Jesus laid at the at the tomb, and the Bible says there was two angels. Some say one, but the, the some say I saw an angel. But it says two angels either side of the tomb, Jesus in the middle. He laid down there as our mercy seat. The blood was shed at Calvary's cross. So every time we come to the throne room of grace now, we're talking about after the resurrection. Every time we enter boldly into the throne room of grace, hear me out. Whose grace? Jesus, sitting at the mercy seat. What's he sitting on? Our judgment. Everything that underneath that mercy seat would judge you. The law condemns you. The letter of the law kills, but my spirit brings you life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you understand when we enter boldly, How can I enter boldly? Boldly means I can enter with confidence and assurance that I have a right to be there. Before the cross, you had no right to enter into the Holy of Holies. You had no right to enter the Father. Moses said, can I see your face? He says, you cannot see my face and live, but I'll hold you in the cleft of the rock and I'll, I'll walk by you. When I enter the throne room of grace, guess who's sitting on the mercy seat? Jesus. Grace, Jesus and grace are inseparable. And then he can show me mercy. He gives me mercy in a time of need. If you read it in context, it's during our afflictions. It's during our tribulations. It's during when we're weary, when we're busted, and we got nothing else. We have where we've been pressed on every side. Guess what? That's why we need the mercy of God. Praise be to Jesus. You never attribute mercy with power, do you? But when the loving mercy of God comes upon you, power enters you. Why? You understand that God's mercy is upon you. Second Corinthians chapter 1. I pray that that's, that shows you a different picture when you say that scripture. Because of the sprinkling of the blood, we enter the throne room of grace to obtain mercy. Jesus sprinkled his blood, sat on the mercy seat. So now as born-again spirit-filled believers, we can enter his throne to go the throne room of grace, Jesus, to obtain mercy in our time of need. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Do you hear that word again? The Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in, tr- in trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, when we go through an affliction, we're going through uh, pain, we're going through times of trouble, we go to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in that trouble. And when we're comforted, we can go and comfort one another in the affliction. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, offer your body as a living sacrifice. And there we go again. It says mercy. It doesn't say grace. It says mercy. Why? We need the sovereign will of the Father, knowing that we're forgiven. Listen to me. Knowing that we're set free, knowing that we don't deserve it, but he gave it to us anyway, so we can offer our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God, for this is our reasonable act of worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, we need mercy to do that. Is that making sense now? Is that showing you a different picture? Because when we understand that by Christ's love and mercy on the cross, he gave us. and I can read James that says, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Be merciful as I am merciful. So I want to challenge you here. When we enter the throne room of grace, he's not speaking that we've fallen short, because we do. He's not speaking that's when I repent because of sin, because we do. He's speaking of us entering the throne to obtain mercy in a time of need, of affliction, of weariness. See, the love of the Father, like that blind Bartimaeus, Blind Bartimaeus just knew, Lord, show me mercy. Give me mercy. He understood enough that mercy would give him forgiveness and bring him healing. And I want to give you hope out there. We serve a good God. We serve an almighty God. And we're in a time now, listen to me, this is hitting home for me because we have to be so merciful for people. There's I haven't been alive in my 51 years at a time of so much division. There's division in in the world, in the body of Christ, like I've never seen before. There's division in in what's happening out there. There's division in every way. But we have to be the merciful ones. We have to be ones. You know, I was watching this movie yesterday about a guy who illegally got uh, arrested for something he didn't do and he went to jail for a long time. On death row. And then I was sitting there just watching it was just the movie. And I was sitting there watching. Finally, someone came to their senses and said, This man is innocent and he got set free. And the moment he says he's free, something hit my spirit. Hey, something just overwhelmed me. It says, That's the mercy of God. I went, Wow. And if you were to be honest with yourself right now and stand before God, you'll be bowing, and say, thank you for your mercy. I know we want to declare this and declare that and it's it's rightful and it's true because blind Bartimaeus was not afraid to ask what he wanted. Jesus asked him, what do you want? What can I do for you? So I want my sight back. And you got to understand that being blind in that culture, as I said, was a curse. So when Jesus says to the Pharisee, you're the father of all blind people. You're the leader of the blind. You're the blind blind leading the blind. That would have offended them. Can't, Can't curse them any lower than that. And the mercies of God are new every morning. He's the author and the finisher of mercy. And if you read Lamentations, this is actually depressing. But in the midst of all that depression, the prophet knew enough to know, even though this is gone. That's the, that's destroyed. Uh, we've been overcome by evil because of our disobedience, and it's our fault, and the, the beautiful city now has been destroyed, and we're starving, and people have died under the sword. They've taken our children. They've killed us. Now we want to. we're hungry. All that, it says, but still your mercies have not been consumed. In other words, the devil cannot take who you really are. And when I wake up tomorrow, your mercy will be there and you are faithful. Hallelujah. That in itself should put a smile on your face. That in itself, because the devil wants to rob your hope and your joy and he bestows mercy. Mercy is that I do not deserve it, but he gives it to me anyway. Praise be to Jesus. And when I look through the scripture, and you read how many times you see mercy, mercy, mercy. I could, I could go all night reading scriptures about mercy. But I love that mercy isn't just of being forgiven. He's pardoned me. He's forgiven me. He also empowers me by his mercy. Now we can look upon. You want, you, you want to do something for God? Be merciful. How do I show mercy to someone? How do I show mercy to someone that doesn't deserve it? I want to share something with you that came to me this afternoon. Totally, I've sort of forgotten about this, but it was probably, it's got to be at least at least 15 years ago. And I got asked to preach at a Bible studies. Was a, they usually have a Friday night Bible studies. And the, my friend that used to run it couldn't be there at night. He asked me if would I go. And 15 years ago, so I went and I taught on the about the person of the Holy Spirit that night. And there's only about maybe eight people, ten people max around the table. And then when we finished, I started teaching about the the uh, the uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, not the power, not the presence, but the person. And as I finished, uh, I knew half the people there. I didn't know all of them. And one young lady that came there, she was a believer. She came and she sat down and she did not look right. But, you know, I didn't think much of it at the time. We got up to pray. And I said, okay, what we're going to do, you're going to pray for each other because I don't have something more than you. So I'm going to get you guys to pray. And some of them were spirit-filled, some of them weren't. And in the midst of that, I went to the bathroom quickly. And as I came out, I heard someone scream their head off. I came out and I thought I was hearing things. And the young lady that I knew very well started to manifest. She became demonically uh oppressed at that moment. She became to cut a long story short, she was under a spiritual attack and she manifested under the under the anointing of God. So we a couple of people with me, and I was praying for her. And as I was praying, I'll never forget this day. The Lord reminded me as I was studying this, the Lord reminded me, and it was like, wow, that was 15 years ago, and the Lord showed me what happened today. And what it was was as we're praying for her, a lot. of I want to get into the gory details, but half the room were petrified. They'd never seen something like that before. But God was trying to get through to this young lady to set her free. And there was a moment in time where I was declaring and decreeing. I was using my authority. Jesus' name, come out. I was doing everything I knew to do. But then there was that moment in time as I as I held her, looked at her, her mom and dad were holding her. And when all the bravado left, when all the shouting left, all of a sudden I felt the presence of the Father come upon me. And as I it hit me, I started to weep. And I knew I entered the throne in the sense of, I didn't know I entered the throne as if I left my body, but I knew the, the throne was the, It was just there. I, the manifestation of the love of God was there. And I, all I remember is looking her straight in the eyes, and I grabbed her arms. And what went through me went through her. And the Father's love impacted her. And then she fell and got set free. The, the demonic left. And the Lord set her free. And I think, wow. I thought, wow, Lord. And it was only this afternoon as I was thinking about the throne room of grace. And all of a sudden the Lord had whispered in my, he'd whispered this in my heart many, many years ago, but I just didn't have the words to articulate it. And today I was sitting there, I was thinking, wow, Lord, I entered the throne room of grace and I obtained mercy in a time of need. It wasn't just for me. So I got so blessed in that moment God did two miracles that night. he came into my heart and came into her heart and in that time of need, all the scriptures I've quoted, all the castings of the devils, all that stuff that I knew what to do and I've done many of them at that moment God showed me something showed me that in that time I entered the throne room and I re- and, and what I did I pulled down mercy for someone else and God set that girl free and I've never forgotten that day because on the way home the enemy tried to anyway long story but it's something very powerful that we can understand that we received the mercy of God we didn't deserve it and he brings us into his family then he, he is mercy, and then he gets us to be merciful for someone else. And it's always like that. You know, I look at mercy and grace as best brothers, uh, you know, uh, best friends. I see um, I see mercy and grace like the Spirit and the Word brings life. Jesus says the Father and I are one. We and the Father are one if we abide him. You look at this picture. It's like praying without fasting is is good. Praying is good and fasting is good, but the two together go hand in hand. Confessing the road, it goes hand in hand. And right now, where we are right now, where we are at the moment, with what's going on, there's breakthroughs coming. But we have to offer our body, by the mercies of God, offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Holy implicit unto God, for this is our reasonable act of worship. You see, I have to understand the mercy of God to fully appreciate the grace of God. I, I see a lot of people say, Oh, I've received the grace of God. I love the grace of God, the grace of God, but never once. I was talking to a guy once, and I'm not gonna confess to you what he's done, but he was talking to me. He was a I believe he was a believer and um, I believe um, he uh, loved the Lord, and I believe all these things. But there was something not, every time I spoke to him, it was always about what he had done, and you know, in the past. And something hit me in between that conversation. We were away hunting, actually. And it wasn't anyone from this group, so don't worry. But at that moment, I was ministering, and I was praying, and I said, brother, have you ever looked upon what, you're, what you did and thought, wow, I'm not saying you need to dwell on it because the blood of Jesus washes it. But is there something in you that looks upon that and thinks, just brushes it off? Have you received, you understand the mercy of God in that situation? He said, no, I've been forgiven. He looked at it, I've been forgiven, I'll just move on. I said, well, go to that corner and repent. He said, I did. I said, to who? He gets to my pastor. I said, so? Go to the Father and repent and come back. And in that moment, he went and sat there. He broke. So he had received the grace of God. Jesus forgave him. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't take me out of context here. But there was nothing inside him that felt what I did was bad, ugly. It was just brushed it away. And the minute he went and, and poured his heart out to the Lord and came up for prayer, this guy has been trying to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit for years. In that instant God baptised him in the Holy Ghost, he could receive the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because if I don't hate where I've come from and I've just brushed it off, then that's sitting at my door. You get what I'm trying to say? When I have a broken and contrite heart, I see myself and I think, wow, what did I have to offer? And we have to get that. We have to get back to that to understand there's a lost and dying world out there. You get what I'm trying to say here? It's not a self-condemnation thing. It's not a self-analyzed thing. I'm not going back to analyze what I've done in my past. Don't get me wrong here. But when I when I brush something off like it's common, I will never walk in the fullness of God. But when I understand the mercy of God for my life, then you have mercy for others. remember preaching one day and there was... <laughs> a heap of people from uh, another persuasion. Let's put it that way, <laughs> male persuasion. And I had a chance to pray with them, lay hands on them, and even hug them. And in the midst of that, there was nothing in me that thought, look at what they've done, who, what they are, where they're going, where they've been. Nothing in there. It was just the mercy of God was upon me and it was upon them. And I was able to minister out of the heart of God, not out of the heart of Tony. I was able to give him wisdom out of the mind of God, not the mind of Tony. Because if I let my mind go wild, I, I've got a lot of opinions on a lot of things. But I have to listen to me. I have to operate in the mercy of God. For who receives mercy, it's like that woman that was washing Jesus' feet, and they say uh, she shouldn't be touching you. In the law, you're she's a woman, you're a rabbi, she's a sinner, she to be. All these things that Jesus says, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. See, the other day I've been pondering my life and pondering where I've come from, because sometimes we can get onto the uh, the rat race of religion and the uh, the, the what I call it, the uh, exercise bike of of Christianity, and forget where you've come from, and forget what it's all about, and forget about giving people hope. And when I meet someone in the street or meet someone, I'm not there to lecture them on life, lecture them on theology, lecture them on what they should believe. I'm there to bring the mercy and the grace of God to their life, give them hope, and know that God's got a hope and a future for them. I was sharing with someone today, actually, I said, there are people out there that have not confessed Jesus as Lord yet, and Jesus knows who they are, and he wants us to go and get them before the end comes. See, he is good and merciful. And the two cherubims who were floating around the throne day and night haven't got an opinion on anything. Would you believe that? As soon as Lucifer decided to have an opinion, he fell. He walked through the fiery stones day and night around the throne of God. He's beautiful in every way. Music came out of his pipes, everything. He would not even seen the image of man in God. God would have had this imagery inside of him. And he goes, you know what? Who is man that you're mindful of, man? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. The word, the true is a little lower than Elohim. Yet the angels, Archangel Michael, the Archangel Gabriel, don't have an opinion. The Bible says angels hearken unto the voice of the word. In other words, all they see now is the blood on the mercy seat, all they see is Jesus. And when we speak the word, they get they operate. I can't command an angel to do anything. I can't talk to an angel. I can't bring down an angel. I can't read a tarot card on an angel. Can't, they don't listen to me. This sermon's with me. But what I can do is believe in the written word, confess the word, speak the word in faith and love, and they move. And all they see is the blood. What a a great picture. All they see is the blood. And I don't know who I'm speaking to today. That God hasn't forgotten you. You want to see disaster? We think we're in disaster? Go read Lamentation. You'll see disaster. You'll see tribulation. You'll see absolute hopelessness. You know, the greatest hopelessness is not what God's doing or where God is. It's what I've done to cause it. It's a very lonely place to be. But his mercies are new in the morning. They're there. He is mercy. He is grace. And we are got to start seeing people through the eyes of Christ, seeing people through the eyes of compassion, seeing people so that we are merciful and show them mercy. You know, I shared a story about that girl when I was praying and I felt, as I said, the Lord showed it, reminded me today and took me to another level in it, that I didn't know what I needed in the time of need. So what I I did as as I was praying and asking for the Father's wisdom and heart as I was praying, he took me to the throne of grace and he gave me mercy in the time of need. And I think some of us need to go to the grace of God, the throne of God and receive mercy. And let's pour out mercy on this world that's dying. I uh <laughs> James chapter 3. And then I'll finish off with this. James chapter 3 verse 13. It's very common scripture. Rabbis just preached on it and that, but I was going to take a portion out here. So who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that the works are done in meekness and in wisdom. But if you have a bitter, bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic or carnal and demonic, soulish, you could say. For where where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and evil, every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is pure, first pure. It's peaceable, it's gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. It's a very important scripture. It says he's full of mercy and good fruits. What's going to happen when you understand the mercy of God? You start producing good fruits. Amen? We follow the shepherd. You know what? Let's go to Psalm 23, then I'll finish. Psalm 23. wasn't going there, but I just dropped in my spirit. I want to finish off with this, and I want you to listen to me. Sheep in the Middle East, the shepherds in the Middle East, the sheep follow the shepherd. Sheep in the Western culture, the shepherd stands behind them and just yells at them and whacks them and gets dogs and they hurt them. But the sheep in the Middle East, they know the shepherd's voice. A lot of the Middle Eastern shepherds, they'll sing to them. They'll sing tunes. David was a harpist. Uh, He used to sing melodies. If you look at a lot of the Psalms, they're in like a type of mu'el, what we call a a chanting prayer or poetry. So the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And and they could cross other sheep and other shepherds, but the sheep would not lose track because they know the shepherd's voice. And in Psalm 23, this is what got me today. You really have to understand this in this time, wherever you're at. So we follow the shepherd, yeah? His grace. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comforts me. You prepare a table before the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We follow the shepherd, grace, the throne room of grace. But guess who follows us? Mercy. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And because of the goodness of God leads us to repentance and the mercy of God that empowers us, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One talks about following the the shepherd, and he talks about when we do that, guess who follows up? Who guess who comes up behind us? Goodness and mercy. I really blessed when I saw that today. It encompassed us. Look at this. Two cherubims covering us, mercy and grace. The word and the spirit brings life. Hallelujah. It's a double portion blessing. And I'm going to say tonight to you all, there's a lot going around. There's a lot being said. There's a lot happening. But I want you to go back to the mercy of God. Enter that throne to receive mercy in a time of need. And in that mercy, you will find goodness, joy, peace. You see the empowering of the Lord in you. So once I know I'm forgiven, I'm uncontrollable. Once I know that the mercy of God is upon my life, I'm uncontrollable. The devil's trying to rob that of you. Talks about in Psalm 23, he's my shepherd. He supplies my needs. He gives me rest. He leads me in the right path. And then he says, all of a sudden, the devil shows up. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in the middle of all that, the devil comes. Shadow of death. But I won't feel that evil. And he goes on to tell me, he protects me. Joy, the goodness of mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We're going to start understanding, folks. Believe what's the purpose and plan, what's going on right now. Because his goodness will fo- will never leave us. His goodness will never forsake us. He's a good God. Hallelujah. We're children of the Most High. And if you're hearing me on YouTube or on Facebook or on Zoom, have to understand that the mercy of God, we He pardoned us from everything that was required of us through sin, through rebellion, and He gave us the grace to, to be empowered. He shed his blood on the Calvary's cross that we can become sons and daughters of the living God. We, listen to me, no matter the accusations against you, mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Amen. Praise be to Jesus. So, Father, I thank you tonight. I give you grace, mercy, honor, and favor that we have received from you. I thank you, Father, that your mercy endures. You desire mercy, not sacrifice. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we were to get a, a glimpse and understanding of your mercy, that we could be merciful. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And as it looks bleak out there, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. Jesus is on the throne. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, at the mercy seat. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your words. If you don't know Jesus as Lord, make him the Lord of your life. Believe in your heart and confess from your mouth that Jesus went to the cross, died and rose again you shall be saved. Out of the heart that you believe and out of the mouth that you confess. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you in this time, you never leave us nor forsake us. And I want to lift up the name of Jesus because he is our victory. He's conquered and we are more than conquerors. And I thank you, Father. Thank you that you bestow wisdom upon everyone that's listening to the sound of my voice. We thank you, Father. There are people here that need to lay down in green pastures. There's people here that God's going to anoint your head with oil. There's people here that are, are going for the valley of the shadow of death. Wherever moment, wherever place that you're at, understand. When Jesus came, he came in the fullness of time. Well, God's going to give you what you need in the fullness of time. But we must enter into his presence. We must enter the throne. I will give you praise for that. We thank you, Father. I pray for anyone that knows someone's sick in hospital. I had a few calls today. People are sick in hospital for different things. I believe in God for total healing. We stand firm. When there's two and three gathered, you're in the midst of us. We lift up the name of Jesus out of every situation. He's the name above all disease, sickness, and all reproach. He's the love of the Father. I declare it and decree it, Father, in Jesus' name, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. I give you praise and honor. We thank you, Father. And Lord, I pray for hearts of joy to rise up. They just dwell and soak in the love of the Father right now. It's not what you can do for him. It's what he's done for us. Soak in the presence of the Lord, and he will make your path straight. He will anoint your head with oil. He will prepare a table in the presence of your enemy. Goodness will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever meaning the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He can leave you. He can't leave you. And we thank you, Father. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We bless you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on Thursday. Uh, Stay strong. God is good. I'm excited. You should be also. Remember, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. It's a promise from the Father, and we give him all the praise for that. So bless you guys. Thank you for signing off. Let us know prayer requests, you guys on Facebook and that. You can contact us. Stop listening to the enemy. Stop listening to the media. Stop listening to everything else. Listen to Jesus. We'll see you on Thursday. Bless you guys. Bye-bye.